We have a lot of voices out there, don't we? Believe this. Follow this. Go here. I guess I need my Bible, shouldn't I? Do I need my Bible? Yeah. (laughs) Maybe I do. (laughs) A lot of voices pulling us in all kind of different directions in this old world. I hope we're following the voice of truth. We'll be in Romans today, if you'd like to turn there, Romans 12. I can find it here. There it is. Romans 12. Today we'll be looking at uh, verses 1 and 2. Probably some familiar verses to you. But before we begin, I'd like to have a word of prayer over, over our service. And I'm going to ask Mr. Warren Stucker if he would pray for our service, please, sir. Thank you, Warren. You know, the Bible tells us at the end of the end times that uh, people will not want to uh, hear sound doctrine. The Bible says they'll want to have their ears tickled. (laughs) And uh, they will look for pastors and preachers and teachers and priests and clergymen and, and whoever that will tell them something that is nice to hear. Uh, they preach messages that do not offend anybody. And they just don't want to hear the truth. The Bible says they pursue after myths and fables and funny stories. And we find that that does absolutely no good for the, the life of a Christian to, to hear that. But we are inundated, are we not, of all kinds of different philosophies, all kinds of theories we're inundated, just like the song said, many voices uh, that are pulling us in all kinds of directions. We know in today's world, uh, we're seeing this, are we not, where when the Bible says we will see it, that, that good will become bad, and that bad will become good, that right will be wrong, and wrong will become right. Boy, is that not the truth today in our society? It sure is. The Bible says we have absolute truth in His Word. And the world will say what? There is no absolute truth. That truth is what you want to make it. Whatever you decide in your, in your brain is what truth really is. And we live in a world where the voices of this world are trying to pull us away from the gospel of Jesus Christ. The worldview will tell us that abortion is okay. The right to kill an infant is okay because it is a woman's choice to do that. I heard of uh, 
Uh, last week they had the elections of, uh, in Ohio and Virginia. And they were saying that for the past month before that election, that every newspaper and every television ad that came out was promoting the idea of abortion, that abortion is okay. When they had the vote, it overwhelmingly was approved in those two states. That is a sad commentary, but that's the voices that we are living under. The voice of same-sex marriage and homosexuality and transgenderism is a voice that we're hearing, and we are required, if you would, to uh, accept that and be a part of that and, and join in, in with that. And if we don't, there is a, we get called many kinds of names. You see, the world wants to conform us into what they say is, is correct. We have many voices out there. Those are just two of them. We see in America today that in many of the, of the larger cities, those sanctuary cities, if you would, that, that lawlessness reigns, does it not? We see people that maybe should be arrested have not been arrested. Those that have been arrested are free to go out to commit many more crimes. The Bible says that we are to do things in order and in decency, and yet we see around America this lawlessness that, that is promoted, promoted for us to accept, that they say it's okay that we need to do that. We see the idea of, of drugs being accepted into society, illegal drugs, mind-altering drugs accepted in society, and they keep pushing that upon us. Uh, pornography, of course, is at its highest ever. And the voices of this world say, hey, you need to accept that. You need to accept that. The voice of, of this world will say there are many ways to heaven, many ways. You know, that, that, that Christian doctrine, that Baptist doctrine that says that Jesus is the only way, he don't believe any of that because that's not true, they will say. Many ways, God is love, and God would never send anybody to hell, they say. And we hear these voices, and what are we going to do about these voices? Because you see, the bottom line of all of that is what? We have an enemy out there who is called Satan, the devil. And his job is to steal, kill, and destroy as many people as he can. The Bible says he is a, a roaring lion looking around to somebody he, who he can devour. And, and lies and deception are his main weapons that he uses. And we hear this stuff, and we hear it. And the, the more that we hear it, the more that we are inundated with this stuff, this garbage, this propaganda that come, keeps coming out at us. What we are afraid, and as a Baptist pastor, I'm afraid that we will become used to it. That if we hear it enough, and that's the strategy of the other side, if you hear something enough, you just might want to accept it. It might not be quite so bad for you. You might want to believe that maybe, eh, maybe I'll just compromise here just a little bit. And what I think about some of these huge social issues that are completely against God's word. And we'll begin to accept those. And as Christians, we can never accept those. We can never accept those things that go against his word. I've used this example before, but I believe it, it fits in here again. <clears throat> you can't throw a frog into a pot of boiling water. Because if you tried to throw the frog in a pot of boiling water, what's he going to do? He's going to jump out. He's not going to stay. 
But if you make that water just 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 right, kind of lukewarm, and make it very nice and very comfortable, you can put that frog in there, and he'll just sit there, and he'll probably just float on his back. Said, "Oh man, this is good stuff," and he'll float there. He won't jump out, but but what you do is you start turning the heat up just a little bit. And he gets a little bit comfortable with the hotter temperature, and he's getting a little more comfortable and used to it, and you keep turning it up and keep turning it up. And he keeps getting more and more used to it, and the hotter the water gets, he has become accustomed to that. And he never jumps out, and finally the water's boiling, and then you take him and you eat frog legs after that. You see, the frog got used to his environment because it was gradually turned up the heat. And I believe that's what we're seeing in society today, that we are gradually getting accustomed and used to what the world says is okay. And we're we're becoming just like that frog where it goes, yeah, you know, five years ago, I thought, man, that stuff, there is no way I'd ever look at that as being right. But we live in a world who is getting comfortable with hearing all this garbage and hearing and saying, this is okay. That's, a, that's just a lifestyle. That's okay. It's just a women's choice. That's okay. Just, uh, it's okay. Uh, man, that, that, that one way to heaven is, uh, no. And we get that, and we hear that, and we become accustomed to it. And I'm here to tell you today, we as Christians cannot get accustomed to that. We can never be a part of that. So my question today is, how do we live in this world? How do we live in this world right now with all those voices coming at us. And they keep coming strong at us. Because they know, the enemy knows, that if they keep saying something enough times, and you hear something enough times, that human nature says you begin to accept what you're hearing, even though you know it's a lie. So how do we do that, Christians? How do we function in, in this lifestyle, this world that we live in today, How can we remain strong in this world? Well, I believe this is what we're going to look at today. I'm hoping chapter 12 of Romans will give us some insight, give us some clues on on what we should do in order to survive in this old world, to get along in this old world. And I I hope that as we look at these these verses, it it will help us to commit to not be like the frog and get accustomed to what's going on. But we will jump out of that pot because it's too hot to to deal with. So let's look at this, if you would, just for a quick minute here or two. Romans 1 and 2, and I'm just going to, we'll just read both of those verses here. He's got them up on the board, I see. So let's look what it says. It says, therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and a holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may grow, you may, you may prove what, what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Let's see what we can pull out of these verses. You look at verse 1. It says, therefore I urge you, Brethren, I urge you, brethren. Brethren is fellow Christians. Paul, as he is writing this to the Romans, he is talking to Christians. And I'm talking to Christians, he said, brethren. He says, I urge you, I implore you, I, I encourage you, I plead with you. 
to live a life that is committed to the Lord, a life that is committed and dedicated and devoted to the Lord, a life that is uncompromising to the Lord, a life that the way we live, the way we speak, the way we, we do, the way we think, the apostle said, I urge you, brethren, I urge you, brethren, to be committed and uncompromising in your faith. What does that look like? It is a life that is lived worthy of the calling of Jesus Christ. That's, that's one of the things it is, a life lived worthy. It's a life that brings glory and honor to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's a, it's a life that, that, that professes the gospel and is willing to tell others of the good news. It's a life that loves the Lord and loves other. It's a life that is submitted to the Lord in all that we do. You see, Paul is encouraging us to do that. And you say, how can we do that in a world like this today when there's so much, so much hatred and so much uh, uh, things that are piling upon Christians? And I can tell you, brethren, that we can do this because we have the power of God that lives with inside of us. We can live. We can overcome. We can live a life that's uncompromising because as Christians, we have the same power that raised Jesus from the dead living within us. Brethren, I encourage you, by the mercies of God. What are those mercies of God? What are those mercies of God? It is remembering how much God loves us and what he's done for us. It's knowing his mercies are overflowing and his mercies are new every day. How do we get along in this kind of world? We, we stop and remember his mercies. How much he loved us. What has he done for us? We know that his mercies and his loving kindness are, are new every day. How do, we, how do we get that? And we think about what those mercies could be. You understand as Christians we have been freed from the, from the stain of sin. We have been freed from uh, eternal judgment. We have been freed from, from spending uh, a, a life in, in the fire and brimstone of hell. You understand that? You've got to remember that, Christian. We've got to remember that, that he has met our deepest needs. What, 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 is, what is a person's deepest needs? A person's deepest needs is to be made right with God. I mean, that's the bottom line. The person's deepest needs is to be made right with God. And as Christians, have we not been made right with God? We have been. You know, one of his mercies is he's promised an eternal home for us, has he not? He's promised an eternal home. And the Bible says he's even gone to prepare that home for us one of these days. He has given us a great purpose in life. Did you know that? He's given us a purpose to be able to share the good news with somebody else. I mean, that's what we've been called to do as Christians is to tell somebody about the saving grace of Christ. What a great mercy that is. We've been, we have been forgiven of all of our sins. We've been cleansed from all of our unrighteousness. You know, I don't know about you, but that is, that's a huge mercy. That's something that he did not have to give to us. And as we live in this world and deal with this world, I think we should pause many times in our lives to go, Thank you for this mercy. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for what you've done. And here's what some of the things that you've done. You have freed us from sin. 
You've provided an eternal home. And you allow me to tell somebody else about the goodness. My sins have been forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. And when the world tries to tell you differently, I don't know about you, but that ought to be great encouragement to you. That I have been forgiven. I have been cleansed of of everything. And I've got a home and glory that Jesus has gone to prepare for me. Thank you, Father, for those mercies. Thank you for what the goodness that you've given to us. Thank you for not giving me what I deserve. Thank you, Father. So he says, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies to the Lord. To present your bodies to the Lord. Did you know that your body (laughs) is important to God? Did you know that? It it is. Did you know that, that when he created man, we were made in the very image of God? Our body that we have right now is important. You might not think it is. And we are called not to abuse it, not to, not to wreck it. We are called to encourage it and to be doing what we can to be as healthy as possible. You know, when, when God sent Jesus into the world, what did he do? He put him in human form. He gave him a body, did he not? When, when Christ resurrected from that grave, what did God do to his son? He gave him a resurrected body. He gave him another body, a resurrected body that that the disciples knew who he was. It wasn't a changed body. And I'm here to tell you today, one of these days, if you've been born again, you too will have a resurrected body. Did you know that? You too will have a body that's just like Christ when he was resurrected from the grave. What a great thing that is. You might think when you die, this this old body is, is done. But it's not done because one of these days, the body that you're in right now will meet up with your your soul and your spirit on that great rapture morning. And you will meet him in the air one of these days where he will give you a new resurrected body. A body that people that you know will know. A body that says, uh, when I see Deborah Weil again, I will absolutely know that's Deborah Weil. Because that's what God has promised us. See, this body is important because one of these days, this body is going to be raised up from the grave. We might leave it here for a while, but one of these days, that great getting up morning, he's going to call us out of that grave and bang, bingo, bango, we're going to meet him in the air. And the Bible says to live with him forever and forever. When the world starts telling you how bad this world is and the voices start pounding on you, just remember, this is only temporary. And one of these days, he's going to raise you to great heights with a new resurrected body to be able to live completely different, to have a body just like Jesus had when he was resurrected. I don't know about you, but that's good news. What, is, what else does the Bible say? 1 Corinthians 15. I got, these are some great verses about the, bo- the body. Great verses about the body. In, in, in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 40, it says this. There are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies. But the glory of the heavenly body is one, and the glory of the earthly is another. We will have a glorified body in heaven. We have another glory here as we live for him. Verse 42 says this, So also is a resurrection of the dead. It is sown a perishable body. It is raised in perishable body. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. 
It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. When we put that old, old body into the grave, it is a perishable body that's going to perish. But one of these days, the Bible says, what about your body? It will be raised up imperishable. The mortal will put on immortality, and we will live forever in the very presence of holy God. Verse 53 says it this way. I did, these are just some good verses. For this perishable, that's this body now, must put on imperishable. That's mortality. And this mortal must put on immortality. <coughs> Excuse me. 54. And when this perishable old body will have put on the imperishable. <coughs> Excuse me. And the mortal will have put on immortality. That's, that's forever. Then will they come about saying that it is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your sting? You see, the grave one day will not be able to hold us. It didn't hold Jesus. It's not going to hold us. If you've been truly born again, you will see him be caught up in the air. You think your body is valuable? Your body is very valuable because the body you have today will be with you forever. You won't have... You won't have the cancer. You won't have the bad eyesight. You won't walk with a limp. But your body today will be your body for eternity. Only a resurrected, glorified body is what he's going to give to you. We'll be able to see things we've never been able to see. We'll hear things we've never been able to see. We will be able to travel at the speed of sound. What a blessing that will be. And when the world tells you not, that's not going to happen, we've got a great promise in the Lord, do we not? That it is going to happen. Because we know, we know without a shadow of a doubt, my God is faithful. And what God says, he's going to do. Amen and amen. <clears throat> As we present our bodies to the Lord, it says we are to present our bodies a living and holy sacrifice. Christians, 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 we are called to be righteous. To live a righteous life. We're called to live a pure life a clean life, a moral life that is not corrupted, that is not contaminated, that is not polluted by the sins of this old world. We are to be a holy and a living sacrifice. We are to live a life that runs away from sin and not towards sin. We are to run a life that is submitted to the Lord. You see, the way we live our life as Christians, it's not all about you. I hate to tell you that, but it's not about you. The way you live your life is all about Him. We don't live a life pursuing our own selfish desires and our own selfish passions. But we, we pursue a life that brings Him glory and honor the way we live. The Bible says we are sanctified. Sanctification means we are set apart to do the Lord's work. You see, if we ever want to live a holy life, and a acceptable life to the Lord. We have got to be separated from this old world. We cannot allow the world contaminate us. We can't let it do that. We must stay strong in our faith. And you say, how do we do that? How do we present our, our bodies a living and a holy sacrifice? Well, let me tell you. We had one great example. And that example is Jesus. He lived a life holy and a living sacrifice unto the Lord. You see, he is, he is on his knees in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he says, Father, not my will, but yours. And he says it three times. 
You see, as Christians, we need to live that in our own lives. Father, not my will today and tomorrow and the next day. But, Father, I want to pursue your will in my life. It's unbelievable, but God has a great plan for your life. Did you know that? And it might not be preaching, it might be teaching, and it's for sure for me not singing. But he has a plan for you. And, and to me, that is what is so exciting about Jordan as she leaves. I mean, I'm sad that she's leaving here. But I know God's got a great plan for her. And a new world will now be opening up to her. And she now has a faith to live like she needs to live. And I pray that she will be a huge example, a huge example, wherever God takes her, that this plan just, just blossoms for her. I'm looking forward to getting to visit with her one of these days. And we see God as he takes her and moves her to a different location to be a witness for him in Arizona. I don't know about you, but that gets pretty good stuff right there. Chapter, uh, verse 2. Gosh, I might, might get to be preaching here in just a minute. Verse 2, it says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Do not be conformed to this old world. You know, the Bible tells us we live in this world. We got to. But we don't have to be of this world. We live here, but we're not of this world. The world will try to mold you and to shape you into what the world wants you to be. How you want to think. And that's the example of how I started the message. It will try to conform you. It wants to put you in a box so that you will be acceptable for everybody else. And Christians, I'm telling you, you cannot allow the world to, to mold you and shape you into somebody that, that the Bible says you you are not. The world will tell you, you got to pursue the riches of this world. Material is, is where it's at. Your treasure must be right here on this whole world. And that way you can become popular and powerful in this whole world. No, nah, the Bible doesn't say that, does it? The world will tell you that if you're looking for fat, happiness and joy, you can find it in the bottle of an alcoholic beverage. You can find joy and happiness by going to the casino and see if you can double what you just put down. That ain't happiness, is it? The world will tell you that, that uh, no matter what you want to do, that you really don't need God in your life. He's such a fuddy-duddy. You don't need him. If you want to be, re really be happy and have joy in your life, you need to just bypass this religious thing, bypass the church thing, and kind of go do your own thing, the world will tell you. And I'm afraid sometimes we allow the world to tell us that and we allow the world to do that. That's the voice that we hear. And I pray today that the voices of truth will override the voices of this society. Because you see, the world will tell you that this is what you have to believe. And they'll, and they'll box this, uh, this kind of theory of happiness in together and they'll put it in a box and they'll put a bow on it. And they'll say, open as soon as you can. Because everyone wants to be happy. And when we know what happiness is, it's not from those kinds of things. It doesn't happen for those kinds of things. And when we conform to the world, all it will bring into your life is sadness and, and sadness and sinfulness and separation from holy God. Do not let the world conform you, mold you into something that God says you are not. 
Don't let that happen in your world. Then we see, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That word transformed means to be changed, to be renewed. How many times in our life when we hear things and see things, we allow that stinking thinking to come into our mind. We, we, we allow stuff to come in and we start to think about it and ponder and chew on it a little bit. And I call it stinking thinking because you know it's not biblical, you know it's not right, but the world says, hey, yeah. We've got to be transformed. Our mind has to be renewed. Our mind has to be renewed daily by putting, putting God's Word into our minds. Because if there is a void in, in that mind, and there's a huge void in mind, I've got to fill it with God's Word. Well, you say, how, how, how can I do that? How can, how can I, as a Christian, transform and renew my mind? I, I don't think I can do that. That's just too hard. Well, let me tell you, you can. Because, you see, when you got saved, when you got saved, you became a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, behold, the new has come. You have been changed from the inside out. God has get, taken your old stony, hardened heart, the Bible says, and given you what? A heart of flesh, a heart of love, a heart that pursues him. So, yeah, I mean, can I renew my mind? Yeah, because you're a new creation. He will renew it for you. The Bible also says in 2 Corinthians 2.16, you might not believe this, but you've been given the mind of Christ when you got saved. You've been given the mind of Christ. Oh, Don, that ain't right. Well, let me prove it to you. 1 Corinthians 2.16, For who has known the mind of the Lord that he will instruct him? But the second part of that is, but we have the mind of Christ. You say, I can't, I can't deal with these, all these issues. Yeah, you can. Yeah, you can. Because you got the mind of Christ. You're a new creation. You have the power that raised Jesus from the dead living inside of you. you got God through the Holy Spirit living inside of you who's given you a different kind of a mindset. You tell me you can't transform this? You can't renew this? And you got God living here? Yes, you can. It can be done. And then the third thing I want to tell you just real quickly. You have been changed into the very image of Christ. When you got saved, you've been changed into the very image of Christ. 2 Corinthians 3.18. There you go. I got another verse for you. Hey, how's that? But we all, with, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. We have the image of Christ. Why, why do I say we must live a Christ-like life? Because we can. We've been changed. We have the mindset. We have the image of Christ. And when the world tells you not to believe that, when the world pounds on you, conform world, we get to the point where we go, no, nah, I don't need to. Because I got a God that lives inside of me who has changed me, who has given me his mind, and I still have his image. That's who I am in Christ. You see, Jesus is the only one that can change you. Only can, only can make you a new creation. Jesus is the only one that can give you his mind. And Jesus is the only one, only one that can put his image into your life. Don't be conformed to this old world, boys and girls. Well, how do we do that? How do we do that? How do we renew our minds? Because that's what it's telling us to do. It's not really a suggestion, is it? How do we re renew the mind? 
Well, here's a couple of ways I think are very important. Number one, to faithfully, faithfully get in a place where you can hear God's word preached every Sunday. Not somebody's opinion, not somebody's thoughts. Somebody that preaches God's word. Because you see, we have got to cover our minds with truth. We've got to cover our minds with, with scripture. You want to renew your mind? You start listening to godly messages from God's word. Because that will begin to fill that void that is up there. Man, I would even encourage you, if you miss a Sunday... If you've missed a Sunday, I would encourage you to get back and go and listen to the message. Not because I preached it, but because you need to hear God's word on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, to fill your mind with good scripture. I think the second thing that we need to do is from personal Bible study. Get in his word and study study his word. Study his word. Read his word. Meditate on his word. Chew on his word. Ponder on his word. You see, that's personal. That's, that's reading it. And, and, and asking the Holy Spirit. When you start reading something here, Holy Spirit, show me the truth. Teach me the truth of, of that scripture, of those verses. See, that's personal Bible study. That's spending time with the Lord, you and Him, reading His Word, chewing on His Word, asking the Holy Spirit, reveal truth to you. And I promise you, He will start putting those truths into your mind as you renew your mind. I would say coming to a church that uh, for corporate worship. By that, I'm saying a, a church that has Sunday school that teaches God's Word. Coming Sunday to, to Sunday school, learning more about it. Wednesday night service, learning more about it, that we teach the Word. Uh, I, I think, and I could be wrong, um, for those that come on Wednesday night, I think it is probably a better service than this. Because it is more relaxed, it is more teaching involved, it is more, uh, uh, it's just good. Not not to brag, but I'm just saying, we are studying corporately His Word in a small group. How much more can you learn from that? I think you can. I encourage you, I would encourage you to come Wednesday night. Being a part of a church that loves the Lord and loves other people. I mean, how how do you fill your mind? You fill it with being a church that loves God and loves other people. The Bible says we are to gather together. Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves. We are, we are to come to have fellowship with each other. That's why I've told you before, and I'll keep telling you, I, 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 I'm not upset at you when you're standing back here talking before the service starts. <laughs> That's what you're supposed to do, is to have fellowship with one another. That's what I want. That's what I want. That's, that's, that's what a loving church does. And you see, as we spend time with each other, we are now not spending time with people in, out, out in the world that will give you different ideas, different philosophies, will speak differently, have different adjectives than you might have. And we start growing in the Lord because we have Christian, Christian fellowship. I believe by singing and praising the Lord brings us closer to Him. And then the last one I think that we need to do is praying for the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit to give you protection over your heart and over your mind. Huh, never thought of that. Father, protect my mind and protect my heart, Father, from the voices of this world that want to pull me away from you, that want to keep me 
from living a life that is worthy of the calling, to, from living a life that brings you glory and honor. Father, protect my heart, protect my mind for that. Because you see, if we don't fill it with, with God's stuff, if you would, <laughs> the world will fill that mind with something else. And then when it does, we begin to conform to that. John 17, 17 says this, Sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. We are separated from this world because we believe the truth and the world does not. You see, it's important for you and I not to be conformed to this world. It's important that we renew our minds. It's important that we live a holy and, and, and sacrifice life. It's important that we meditate on the mercies of God, which are new every day. You see, all of that stuff is filling your mind with God's stuff, God's truth. But if you look at that list that I just gave you, it takes a little bit of effort on your part. Did you know that? It takes a little effort on my part. You know, yeah, sometimes God can, through osmosis, will give us what we want to know, yeah. And sometimes I think that's what we expect him to do, and he can if he wants to. But if you look at that list, it takes a little bit of effort on our parts. Did you know that most of the time? It takes us doing this. It takes us reading and meditating. It takes us coming. It takes us fellowshipping. It takes us gathering together. And honestly, sometimes we don't want to do that. Sometimes we don't want to make the effort. And I'm not pointing any fingers. I got them three. I'm pointing back at me. Sometimes you just don't want to. I don't want to put the energy into what I need to do in order to renew my mind. But I keep coming back to a thought that I've shared with you before, and I'll share it with you again. And it's, it's, a, it's a quote from a guy that was a runner, a marathon runner. And he says, if it's important to you, you'll find a way. But if it's not, you'll find an excuse. And I think that is so prevalent in the lives that we have. If it's important for you to renew your mind, if it's important to you to, to not be conformed, to remember his mercies, I believe you'll do it if it's important to you. But if it's not, if you just want to live your life on cruise control and doing your own thing or whatever you want to do, you'll find an excuse from getting in his word. Because I promise you, the enemy will have all kinds of excuses for you getting in this word. I can't tell you how many interruptions I get. <laughs> I call them interruptions. Things that somebody wants me to do so that I, so I can't spend enough time here. And that's not, I'm not criticizing anybody. I, I, that's part of the job. But the enemy throws so much stuff at me. Don, you got to go do this. Don, you got to do this. And, all the, and, and I, I, I see what's happening is they're trying to pull me away from study, from prayer, from reading the word. And I don't blame anybody. I, call me, I'll do whatever I can for you. You betcha. But it just seems like it's getting bigger and bigger. That, that Don, you got to go do this. You got to go do that. That's the way of the enemy, is it not? Is it important to you to find a way or is it important to you to find an excuse? Why not to be conformed to this world? Because of the cause of Christ. Because, believe it or not, God needs you. Okay? 
God needs you to share the gospel with somebody else. God needs you, mom and dad, grandma and grandpa, to live a godly life in front of your kids and grandkids. He needs you not to be conformed. God needs you to share the gospel. If, if that is all there is to not being conformed, I think that's enough, don't you? Because you've got little eyes looking at you. Some older eyes and some littler eyes. And they're looking to see, they're looking to see, are you willing to conform to the world? Or are you going to be uncompromising in your faith? Is church attendance important to you? Is reading your word important to you? Is praying important to you? And I promise you, eyes are watching and you're sending a message, either a good message or, or a not-so-good message that is not important to you. You see, we don't conform to this world. We, tra- we transform our mind because it's bigger than us. It is the cause of Christ around the world. There are souls that need to be saved within your family, within this church, or within this town, or within this world. And when you give up and you're compromising in your faith, that's never going to happen. We've got to stand strong. The souls of people are important. Trish. I pray as we, as we think about this message and chew on this message and think about it in the world that we live in, okay? There are some ways that we can overcome this world that are all through Christ. We remember what he did for us, man. Our goal is to live a, a holy and a sacrificial life for him determined not to be giving it up and renew your mind daily. And when the world says this, you say, nope, don't need that. This is what I've done to prepare. As a piano plays, let's close our eyes and begin our invitation time. I don't know how God's spoken to you, but if it's just an encouragement in this old world, then that's some some steps to help you, that's okay. My prayer that this message is that you don't go out the back door and forget about it. That we will be people that are uncompromising in our faith. That we'll be willing to do the things to renew our minds and fill our minds with God's Word and not the world's Word. I mean, if you've never accepted Christ as Lord and Savior, this would be a good time to do it. Maybe you've been backslidden all these years. Maybe you're not doing what God wants you to do. A time would be, a good time would be now to come and repent of that. Get him back, let him get you back on the right path. Come accept him as Lord and Savior, I don't know. But as a piano player, I ask you to do business with the Lord. Christians, you be praying however God leads. That's your invitation right now.